my dad never really uh, had strong words to approve me, you know, or to kind of, you know, and kind of uh, affirm me. Or even, you know, my dad never would come and say, I love you, my son, you know? Right. And so when my dad didn't have that in my life, I, it, it, I really longed for that. Welcome back to ICYA Raw, episode eight. This week we have Howard Jolly, who's uh, been around here lots because there's lots of Jollies around here. Our program director is Karen Jolly, Howard's wife, and his son, Joel, worked here for a little while. He's now a pastor over at the meeting place. Uh, his daughter, Toby, was on staff at ICYA. So there's always lots and lots of Jolly around here. They've had an interesting life. Um, they've grown up kind of on the road. He's done a lot of music and been a musician and been on the road all over Canada. And today he sat down with Kent. All right, my name is Kent Duick, and uh, you're, uh, you're listening to ICYA Raw. And so what, uh, what this has been about, it's about trying to have un filtered conversations. And even just saying that, that sounds like a, a crazy imagination. Like, can we do that anymore? Are we capable of it? Well, I think we can. We can uh, We can have unfiltered conversations. We've been having unfiltered conversations across sort of ideological planes or talking with different people, different views, and uh, an unfiltered conversations with folks that are kind of singing the same song as we are. And, and uh, but that's been, that's uh, been the blessing. But Today uh, we're into uh, podcast uh, number eight, and uh, and I'm sitting here with uh, with Howard Jolly, a friend of uh, we figured about 15 years we've known each other, and um, and uh, we're uh, we want to do that conversation. And uh, Howard, just why don't you just open it up and tell us a little bit about your your journey, your story. Just take it where where you want to go. Okay, hi. My name is Howard Jolly. I was born in a place called Waskaignish, Quebec, along the James Bay Coast, uh, close to Quebec in Ontario, on the on the southern, I guess, m- more uh, eastern eastern side of Quebec and uh, west of Ontario. And uh, we moved to a place called Moose Factory when I was a year and a half. Uh, my dad uh, was a trapper, and my mom and dad were trappers, and uh, so. That's what caused them to move to Moose Factory. Uh, lived there uh, most of my youth. Um, attended uh, residential school when I was five years old in Moose Factory, and so um, yeah, so uh, I lived there till um, I was maybe eighteen, nineteen. Then I went uh, away from home to to go to Bible school, and uh, then I'm. Um, Oh man, I just traveled in a in a gospel band for maybe fifteen years with a band called the Sunrise Gospel Band, and now I pastor a church in in the city here in Winnipeg called the First Nations Community Church. I'm also the executive director of uh, First Nations Alliance Churches of Canada, so um, that's that's part of my story. And uh, so. so I'm curious, like uh, that was that was a. I jumped through a lot of years, right, in, yeah. in about a minute. Yeah. Uh, really curious, kind of, um, you, you said two things that struck me as sort of almost in conflict. One is uh, you started going to residential school when you were five, and at 18, you ended up going to Bible college. I'm, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. curious about that journey between those, okay. those two places. Well, from when I was about five, five to maybe even four and a half to about twelve, I went to residential school in Moose Factory called Horton Hall. Okay, and that was probably when I first started. I think I might have been one of the smallest kids in the in the school, and so in in that part of my journey, there's uh, a lot of things that I, I maybe uh, I can talk about uh, later on uh, that were that were very difficult. Um, more in um, at the moment, they were very difficult too. But they also really, um, when I look back in my adult life, you know, back to that time, I realized it still had an impact on my adult life too. 
and I was I was dealing with those issues. Uh, I've been dealing with those issues for quite a while. But when I went to residential school, I still remember uh, my my brothers being in residential school uh, when I was four. Like I have four older brothers. Well, I have five older brothers, and I have three older sisters, and I have one younger sister. So uh, my older brothers were in the residential school, and they wanted to take me to the school to to experience what, what where they live. And uh, I remember that uh, my mom and I and my dad, I think, was there too. We were on the other side of the fence. And so they, they took me through the fence somehow, and they asked for permission to take me to the school. And so um, they took me there, and, and I, like there, even the fence was kind of quite a thing too. Like there's a, there was bi- barbed wire on top, on top of the fence. I remember that. So, you know, it, it seems like you can't get out or in to the place. And, uh, and so they took me there. And um, you know, thinking you know, it, was, it would be a good experience for me, but I, I, you know, I, I experienced um, like um, the shower there. First time I ever seen a shower as a little boy, and I remember yeah. crying uh, because I was afraid because of the water coming out of the walls, and they didn't understand the reason for my fear. And so, you know, that was my first experience. And then um, the following uh, fall would be uh, where where I first went to residential school. And I, I, I remember some things there, like uh, walking into uh, the building. I still, you know, I, I still would like to see that picture again, but I remember uh, a painting on the wall that uh, had, um, you know, you know on, in the picture there was people that were on the top of the picture that were in a bright place, and they were all white people. They were all going to heaven. And then as you go down the picture, it gets darker, and it's black on the bottom, and all the people are dark on the bottom, and they're uh, suffering. They're they're in hell, and I didn't realize how much that impacted my life until till later on, you know, even about uh, my 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 identity as a, as a First Nations person. And there were other things that I that I experienced there too, um, you know, connected to uh, like colonialism yeah. or um, even discrimination, um, um, you know, cultural cultural. Uh, genocide, cultural issues. Um, I didn't realize how much that, that impacted me until later on in my life. But um, so when I was there, I remember one time uh, uh, one of the supervisors, when, when I, was, I think I was a kid that kind of got into trouble a lot. And I remember one time- It doesn't surprise me, Howard. <laughs> yeah. I remember one time I was standing by the window there, you know, going to a chapel. And I don't know, I stopped there somehow for some reason and looked out. And uh, the supervisor tells me, hey, Howard, you know, Maybe you can go to see your mom today if you're a good boy, if you're a good boy in chapel. And then that stuck with me too, you know, because I, I felt like, you know, I didn't know if I could be a good boy. <laughs> and uh, just, just the, the, I guess the, the church having such a, an impact on my life, right. like in a negative way. And so, um, but like later on, like uh, after residential school, there's a lot of things I could talk about, about residential school and the pain of that. We could probably come back to that too if you want, but... Uh, I'm just curious if I can. Yeah, yeah. That again, that that journey. So, so you're you end up going to Bible college, and, and yet you've had this experience in residential school, all, you know, kind of uh, intimately connected to the church. Mm. How yeah. how did you how did you say, hey, I've been uh, been kind of under that that authority of the church, and now I'm going to Bible college. How did that? How did you get to that decision? Yeah. Well, you know, like uh, like in Waskagnes, there was a there was a big movement there. Like there was a lot of people that came and gave their hearts to the Lord, and there was a big change in that community. Like just uh, you know, just a real big wind, you know, mm-hmm. of a change there. And so my sister would call my uh, my mom and tell her about this uh, this movement, and she gave her heart to the Lord too. And so my mom ended up being interested, and there was a, a a missionary lady that was there in Moose Factory that would have Bible studies in, in the homes visiting. And so my mom would go to these Bible studies. And then there was this, this evangelist that came through our little community there too in Moose Factory. Uh, his name was Ross Miracle, and they would hold meetings in homes. Yeah. And so, so we'd go from home to home having these meetings. And in these meetings, uh, my mom came to know the Lord. And eventually my brother and oldest brother ended up giving his heart to the Lord too. And uh, so th- they had this testimony, 
and so of of coming to know the Lord and and I don't think I was really paying attention to it at the time, but it wasn't until I believe it was um it was in the summer, you know we we came home and and my dad had given his heart to the Lord too. My brother and I are out in high school. Right. You know my brother's name is Abe. We were out in a place called Sault Ste. Marie. You know they would they would we would go leave the community to go out to high yeah, school. That's a ways away. Yeah, and so we would phone home and my parents would tell us my mom would tell us about uh, them coming to know the Lord. And my dad was really resistant too before he came to know the Lord, but somehow he, he ended up giving in and giving his heart to the Lord. And the change that I seen in my dad was really what impacted me. Because, you know, like there was a lot of, before my dad came to know the Lord, like in our home there was a lot of drinking. You know, my dad would beat my mom at times too when he was drunk. And so he was very violent. And I was very much afraid of him as a little boy too. Because uh, I didn't know if, you know, we would survive the weekend sometimes because of, of the rage that was in him. But when we got home and he had given his heart to the Lord, like there was this soft, tender man, you know. And I, I, I right away I, I, I seen something different. And I said, if that's what Jesus can do, I want Jesus too. So the you know? contrast, like what you're describing what happened in your community versus your experience in residential school, those are doesn't sound like the same thing, you know, that that, yeah. that imagery of that yeah. picture of hell versus what was happening in your community. What was yeah. what was different about what was happening in your community? Well, you know what, like there's this place like where I was living when we were living in Moose Factory, it was called um it was called Tent City. We we had all moved from uh different parts of the coast in Quebec. Uh there was a group called the Visitors, the the Blue Boys, and the George Kish, you know, different names, and then the Jollies too, and the, and the Smalls. And, you know, we all lived in this one little area. Like, we all lived in uh, houses that were just, you know, card, like um, plywood walls and just a canvas roof, and we would pile up the snow on the snides in the wintertime to keep warm, and we just had one stove in the middle. So we were, I guess we would be classified as poor, the poor people there, and so we moved to Moose Factory, and it was very different. This little community in Moose Factory was different from the rest of the community. And then people would come there to drink on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And we drank a lot too. And I, I, I seen a lot of drinking there as a little boy. I seen people come close to dying as a little boy when, when people would be drinking there. And so this this movement from Muskaikanish came to this little area, and, and a lot of us came to know the Lord. Our, our, my family and uh, the Blue Boy family and the uh, small family and other families, George Keys came to know the Lord. And so there was a big change, you know, and then there wasn't that much drinking anymore there. And so they changed the name of our little community from Tent City to they called it Holy City. You know, the people were, wow. it was, it was kind of like a, a kind of a mocking of us too, I guess in a way, but really like there was a big change. And so this change. And the people in the wider community saw the change. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so this change that came, you know, like I didn't connect it to the, the, the residential school. I didn't connect it to, you know, singing Jesus Loves Me in residential school. You know, they taught us Jesus Loves Me in residential school. How to and, sing it. Yeah, and, yeah, and it, it didn't mean anything. It didn't, yeah. it didn't mean things. But when I saw this change, it, it meant something to me. And so that's how I ended up giving my heart to the Lord. And that's how I ended up going to Bible school too. You know, I was I was just, uh, you know, like I, I wasn't really living for the Lord as I should, you know, and I felt like it would be better be good for me to just go to Bible school. Maybe it'll, you know, help me, you know, yeah. to, to walk this road. And so my, my, my older brothers were all there, you know, and so I went I went to Bible school in Briarcrest and called uh, Cairnport at Briarcrest, Saskatchewan. That's where we went to Bible school. Good Bible school. It's my yeah. alma mater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we... So that you know, so, so then from there we started traveling in this gospel band. My brother and I, and two uh, brothers in Alberta, R- Randy and Kenny Jackson. We were called the Sunrise Gospel Band. We had different uh, people too, like again Herman Oski, Cliff Bird, you know, and then Randy's wife. Um, we were all you know together in the band, and, and we were singing, and we were sharing our story in all these different places, like all over the U.S. and Canada, or yeah, like how yeah. where how big was this? Oh, it's pretty big. Like even uh, most of the southern, uh, I mean the northern uh, states. We even went down to Florida, Arizona. You know, uh, we went up to Alaska too, and even BC, and all the way up to to Quebec. And so we were we were all over singing your way throughout North America, kind yeah, of. Yeah, and, sh- and sharing our story. You know, yeah. sharing about the change that God brought into our lives. 
And I really feel like it was a God thing, you know, because God, you know, somehow the the difficult things we share about and the how God changes that, yeah, you know, it it resonates with people, you know, and and so they they're drawn to that, and you know, they're 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 drawn to giving their lives to the Lord too. And so it was it was uh, it was quite a quite a journey as a young person, you know. If, if you were going to describe. Because uh, I'm kind of picturing you. I'm. I, I know I've heard you're in a van. Yeah. Were your kids with you at that point? Did you at, when you were traveling? Uh, well, actually, uh, from when uh, my boy was born, and then my my little girl was maybe just not very old, maybe uh, eight months old. Maybe that's when we stopped traveling. Okay. Uh, my mom uh, got real sick, you know, and uh, and I wanted to be with my mom and. And I was ra- traveling with Randy and Vange at the time, and my wife too. And we just came to a point where um, we just kind of felt like it was too much. And uh, Randy's wife was the one that kind of first uh, mentioned that, you know, maybe this is too much for us right now. Maybe we should just, you know, disband as a group. And so, so that's what we did, yeah. Uh. So just in terms of, um, you know, kind of your journey and then and then that Bible college journey and, and now you're out there on, on, on this ministry tour, what are what are sort of the things that that you were you were bumping up against in terms of what you were hearing in the stories of people, um, mm. stories around identity or or like what was the the common sort of ministry thread that you were that people that you felt there was a need or there. Well, you know, one of the things like um, like when I was traveling with Randy and Vanjie, those were the ones I was traveling with later. Um, you know, I I, I believe that uh, I'm not. I think I, I think we were already done traveling. Um, that I, I um, you know, I didn't sing as much, but I started to sing with, with another group, and um, I wrote a song, you know, about my dad. I wrote about the change that God brought into his life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how he was so violent before, and you know one of the things he would say when he was drinking was he would say, "Love is the best," you know. And so when he would say that, I, I didn't see any love, and I didn't understand why he would say that. But now I look back, I realize that, you know, he was he was crying out for love. And I think what he was saying is, if I experienced love, I think my life would be different. You know, even in his drunken state, you know, I think I would be a better person if I experienced love. And so that's what I got from it. And so I wrote a, that song about him, you know, how God's love changed his life and how it made him a different man, a new person. And so when I was singing that song, because it talks about the pain that he caused me and my mom too, um, it it just really impacted people. Like you know, you, you know we're gonna want to hear this song. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe I'll sing it later on. Yeah. So yeah. we're gonna, we're gonna commit to attaching this to this this podcast that song. Oh. But uh, yeah. so so in terms of that that song connecting with the hearts of people that you were ministering to, what do you think it was that was the connection? Were people missing the same kind of love that you were your dad was missing, or what was it that you saw? I think it spoke to them, like it's, I think it spoke to people that, you know, had the same kind of childhood uh, as I did, and I think it kind of helped them to kind of forgive too their 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 their, their dads too, you know, and helps them to understand too. You know, we don't you know we don't condone or you know any behavior where there's abuse, mm-hmm. and and we don't excuse it too, but but sometimes uh, the things that are that are um, connected to violence is a lot of hurt, a lot of hurt in your life. Like my, my dad was an orphan when he was a little boy, you know? Yeah, like yeah, just hurt, year, hurt people hurt people. Yeah, for sure. And and he went to residential school as a young boy too. Okay. And so he never, you know, other kids would go home and he wouldn't go home because he didn't have a home to go to. So that must have been really hard hard for him. And then when I, you know, when I started to to understand understand that, I, I became like very... Um, uh, forgiving, forgiving of my dad for you know the pain, pain that he caused us, and also really seeking to really enter into his pain too, the pain that that must have been in his life that caused him to be so, so violent, so so rageful. Howard, just if you could help us understand um, how this forgiveness works, like you know what you're describing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and nowadays, I mean, forgiveness isn't really in vogue anymore. I don't know if yeah, yeah. you've noticed people are yeah. not very forgiving. Yeah. How how did that work? How did you? How were you able to forgive? 
you know, I think the the main thing for me, like to help me to forgive was um, like, uh, you know, I've been hurt. I've been hurt like by my parents. I've been hurt by my peers. You know, I've experienced abuse, bullying, you know, uh, as a young boy. And um, so I, I experienced those things and it caused a lot of brokenness in my life. You know, even, you know, I struggled with my life because of, of um, you know, feeling ashamed uh, by, by the hurt of others. But I think the thing that was more overwhelming than that for me was my sins, you know, my guilt uh, before God. And even still today, I, I, I can't, uh, can't truly comprehend, you know, how merciful God is. Because I still fail today, you know, make a lot of mistakes, make big mistakes, you know. And I just keep kicking myself, you know, for my mistakes. And I, I ask God to forgive me and I... I believe that the blood of Christ cleanses me of all my sin, but somehow it's still, you know, very hard to receive receive uh, forgiveness. So when I think of of the fact that you know uh, of my sins and how how they cause so much unrest in my soul, even cause me to want to give up on life, to 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 die, and to not want to have people see me, you know, because I was so ashamed. I I, I realized that God sent Jesus to die for me, you know, and. And I, I, I can't comprehend it, but I'm just so thankful for, for, for that love. And so when I enter into, into um, you know, that love uh, of God, uh, for me, is, is, you know, it's what helps me. It helps me. It grounds me. It grounds me in my life. So uh, you're, you're just thinking about your ability to forgive your dad and, and your connection to your awareness of your own sinfulness. That's yeah. really, yeah. That's, that's a sort of a deep picture. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so the other thing too is that's very much, you know, very partic. I feel like it's so important for us to enter into the depth of our wounds, you know, the depth yeah. of our even our, 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 our guilt, our shame, uh, because that's where God wants to meet us. God says, um, "To the measure that you give something, it'll come back to you," and and I think that when when we understand God's mercy, very deep. Uh, we want to extend it in a deep way too. So you know, in 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 forgiving people, I I I kind of want to say you know it's not just like uh, you know you, you don't just say why well, it's just don't worry about it. it's no big deal you know like it is a big deal and 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 it's very it's very much very part of your your pain inside <laughs> and and you want to forgive from there from that from the depth of your your wound uh, not not to um, you know, make things worse, worse for people, but for them to really understand that, you know, you really hurt me, and, and but I want you to know that from from the depths of my hurt, I, I forgive you. I, I feel like that's how God is. Like God says, you know what, you really hurt me in the things that you did, but I want you to know that even even though you did that, my love for you is greater, and and I sent Jesus to die for you even when you were dead in trespasses and sins, you know. When when you were at a place where where you were doing things that that were so hurtful, yeah, I, I still sent Jesus to die for you. I, I you know, kind of think about that image of God as a father, and sometimes my my um. When I think about my own relation, my own flawed, albeit you know mm-hmm. imperfect relationship with my kids, yeah, uh, and and uh, that regardless of what they might do, my love for them wouldn't waver. My, yeah. lo- my love for my kids wouldn't waver, and yeah. and uh, just sort of seeing, um, kind of picturing God in that way. Yeah. So then I guess that means that if I'm not a good father, then then God, who is the perfect father, could look at my mess and mm. say, "I could forgive." You know, I can mm. I can know that I'm forgiven as yeah. well, right? Yeah. Like, and and even to that with that, you know, like there's this thought of like. Um, you know, or God uh, just receives us, you know, and, and, and takes takes us in. I think it, it's really hard to uh, for people to comprehend that, you know, if they don't have that 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 figure in their lives to kind of communicate that to them, even even our earthly fathers too, you know, where they where where they fail us, you know, and then we 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 just kind of think like God is like that too, and so it. It does need to have a foundation, and so I, I feel like I've I've I found that 
foundation in the Lord, like in my life, you know, uh, because I, I've really sought to try to deal with, with, with the issues in my life, the pain, you know, and, and admit that it's there, yeah. you know, and, and, and confront it, uh, you know, in a way um, where I'm not trying to avoid it or, you know, kind of be where I'm hiding it. Mm-hmm. So you talked a little bit about so that that journey from that five year old kid in residential school on to Bible college, and you you gave us some some tee ups and some hints that that um, you 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 had work to do in terms of on yourself, and and that you've clearly I mean you've you, you've been doing that that heavy lifting and that work. Say a little more about uh, about what that what what was that work. What did you have to work on to? I think the things I had to work on, like there, there's, there's quite a bit. Like even like in in my relationship with my dad, you know, I I, I think of my dad now. He's in heaven and he's perfect, you know, mm-hmm. and he probably even sees us as we're talking right now. And I, I I see that where he where he missed me at times in my life, you know, like my dad never really uh, had strong words to approve me, you know, or to kind of, you know, and kind of uh, affirm me. Or even, you know, my dad never would come and say, I love you, my son, you know. Right. And so when my dad didn't have that in my life, I it, it I really longed for that, you know. And I, so I just I just give it to God, you know, and I tell him, I tell him that, you know, uh, my dad missed me in his areas, you know. And, and, and somehow, like, even just, crying out to God about it, you know, the Lord comes and, and, and he feels, feels your, your, your wound, feels your hurt. Um, and so, so when I get that from God and, and I, I see that my longings are, are legit, they're good, you know, and so, um, I'm able to, to see, um, where I miss my kids, you know, where I, I always tell my kids I love them, you know, mm-hmm. because I, I longed for that in my mm-hmm. life. And if I didn't realize that longing that I had in my life, I don't think I'd, I'd pass it on. I you give your kids what you didn't get. Yeah, yeah. That's a... But but it came from just acknowledging that that wound is there. You know, that longing is there. What, the do, you, what do you say to um, people that are, are listening to us today uh, in terms of their wounds and and... And how God, you talk about God kind of just entering in and, and healing you. Like, how do you, how does that promise work out? Like, how do you, how does it work out for folks that are, are struggling right now, going through difficulties? I think the, there's, there's lots, like there's one of the huge things is just to acknowledge, acknowledge those, those longings, uh, um, but not, you know, I, I, I admit that they're there. But also, too, uh, it's good to have a friend to talk to, you know, somebody that you can trust that, that will listen to your, to your story and somebody that, that will feel with you the things that, that you're feeling. Like, to me, you know, like, probably my wife has been the, one of the biggest uh, supporters and helpers, you know, in my life. Like, I, I tell her about my, my hurts, you know, in my life. I, I even tell her about the sins in my life, too. And... It just seems like with God, when you confess things to God or talk to God about things that are very deep, it it just seems like it's not enough. You know, it just seems like you need somebody else to talk to about it. I I always say, you know, when 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 we're when we're, we're followers of Jesus, we're called to embody Jesus to people. Yeah. You know, like God calls me to embody Jesus to you. And right. God calls you to embody Jesus to me. So in a sense, so, in talking with yeah. Karen, you yeah. are sort of talking to God in a sense, yeah. if she's embodying that. Yeah, and God comes to me through her. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I, I feel like God uses her. She's not God, but God uses her yeah. like so, in some tangible way, you know, to, to speak into my life and to bring healing to me. So well, we, need, we need others. We need, yeah. we, need to, we, need, we need to just humble ourselves and say, I need help. You know, I need help. You know, one one of the things that I find is uh, is interesting in in terms of leadership. I mean, uh, just just in terms of your reach, Howard, you've mm-hmm. uh, you're known across North America, and and there's a certain you know uh, 
when people are in leadership, there's a certain standard or people look up and say, wow, this person probably is, is perfect. And I'm hearing you talk about imperfections and it's surprising. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I have these imperfections, right? But I think sometimes people have the wrong idea. And so you can have someone sitting on the, on the edge, edge of experiencing God's healing, but they feel as though somehow they're unique. And, and what the, 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 um, the sin they walk with is maybe something, oh, you know, that, well, Howard would never understand this. Yeah. But it sounds to me like God's grace is is wide and invitational so that if you and I, as leaders, we have these struggles, then there's an open door for, for folks that are thinking, no, God couldn't forgive me. Yeah. Well, you know, like, honestly, like, I I struggle with, with life. You know, I struggle with doing ministry, too. Like, I'm a pastor, you know, and sometimes I just, I just say, you know, you know, why me? You know, like, I'm, I just, I just seem to make so many mistakes, you know, and uh, I feel so inadequate for what I'm doing, you know. Like I can probably identify with Moses, you know. Why me? Why don't you choose yeah. somebody else, you know? And God was very. Uh, I I think God was kind of upset with him a bit too, uh, because of his. Uh, you know, he was stubborn in 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 his in his thinking, I guess. So so I I, I struggle and, uh, but there's this this journey, you know, that I'm on with God. And and we're all on a journey, you know. We're all on a journey in life, and um, I just want to encourage you to, you know, to 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 seek God and, and to to really uh, commit your way to Him. Um, a huge thing I I, I, I want to emphasize is, is that the Lord loves you. You know that you're very precious to God, no matter you know how far you feel you are from Him. Uh, he's He's there for you. And you're precious to him, and he desires you. He desires to have a relationship with you. Yeah, it's powerful. Yeah. It's powerful. Mm. In terms of your um, kind of as you as you think about your journey forward in ministry, um, and I know that healing is a is a big part of your your heart. And your passion, like whenever you know, uh, you talk about reconciliation, people finding finding their healing. Um, what are some of the things you're seeing that people are in need of healing for, and uh, your wisdom on how to get there? Yeah, boy, you know the, the the huge thing I think there's there's lots of things like even the father child relationship, I think it is huge. Even uh, Parents, you know, parents with their, with their children, uh, it's very huge in in really bringing bringing healing to to our land, to our to our children. I, I think about uh, abuse issues, you know, where we've been uh, abused in our lives, even in our childhood. See, I didn't realize, you know, how much impact my childhood had on my adult life, you know, until till later on. Like even an identity crisis that's very strong uh, among our young people. You know, even in our in our communities, I really feel like identity crisis is one of the uh, biggest things that causes our young people to give up on life. You know, they they struggle struggle with who they are, and I I didn't realize the impact of the, the systemic uh, you know racism that that was there, um, even through the residential schools and you know colonialism, you know the cultural genocide too. It it just really uh, impacts our people. Like even my boy, you know, like you know, he he doesn't speak his language. He understands his language a bit, but he doesn't speak his language. And I could tell there's there's a grief there that he has that he's not able to to speak his language. So when our children grow up with with an identity crisis, they they they, they struggle. They struggle with life. You know, they struggle to just have a firm foundation uh, for their lives. So these these are a lot of a lot of issues that are that are connected to to the chaos that, that exists um, in our communities. Um, but you know God God can heal God can God God can bring us to understanding you know who we are in the eyes of God you know mm-hmm. that God, that God loves all people and He loves different cultures too different distinct peoples too that He made us all different. And uh, we should celebrate uh, our differences, 
and uh, celebrate it with, with each other our differences and realize that you know we are all equal in the eyes of God. Everybody's precious to the Lord. So, yeah. So, so those are the things that I, uh, I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about people, you know, really seeing my people seeing, you know, um, uh, the value that mm-hmm. they have in, in the eyes of God, and also to the impact that the pastors had on their lives. Yeah. But we can find healing. There's hope. Yeah. There's hope in the Lord. Yeah. I'm. Um, I know we've we discussed earlier um, before we were on air uh, one of the concerns that we're facing in our community and and we're trying to get a handle on the depth of it is um, is the issue of um, well right now the convoluted twist here is that uh, this it appears anecdotally as if the suicide rates are going up but also we're hearing a lot about uh, overdoses in the community and and um, just in terms of an area for uh, you know, just heartbreaking. Um, sitting with a good friend this weekend and just kind of walking through, you know, two again his long journey of two sisters that committed suicide, and and uh, so um, when I think about God kind of reaching into those darkest places, like what are your, what is your view on, on on what is happening with this this sort of spate of suicides? Or I know you've you've done some work in northern communities where there's been. Uh, uh, you know, uh, groupings of, of suicides, and help us understand that, Howard. Yeah, man, it's it's been really it's been really difficult, you know, to know how to, you know, walk with people that are that are struggling with addictions. I know that the addictions, like, they they, they don't start out that way. It almost seems like you know, Satan gets us into a, a place where you know we're, we're enjoying something. And all of a sudden, it, it it kind of blows up on us, and we get to a point where where we're addicted, and we're trying to get away from it. And so those kind of things, and people are struggling with that. I, I just, I, I just, I feel like we need to have a lot of patience, and we just need to just continue to love them, you know, and, and not excuse the things that they're doing, and, and just keep encouraging them to to overcome. But I know too that it, it almost seems like it all it all seems to start out where we're looking for. We're looking for love in the wrong places, you know. Mm-hmm. We're, we're looking for love through through the, the alcohol or through the drugs, you know. We're, we're we're trying to find something to to fill some longing, some voids, some brokenness that, that's mm-hmm. in our lives, and 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 we don't we don't find it there. And uh, so, I I I just kind of, I just want to say, like, for me, you know, like, the love of God has 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 really been uh, what has helped me mm-hmm. in, in my life I I really I really sense his love for me I I really you know just go to his word and 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 I hear words like I'll never leave you nor forsake you you know and I'm thinking boy he should have forsaken me a long time ago you know like because of how I've been in in my journey with him how how I failed him but he but he says it and I just I just claim the promise promise of his word you will not be abandoned. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, you will. Yeah, and and you know what the the word, uh, like about knowing Jesus and about being a child of God, it's just like a blessing that God puts upon you. Like you you you're His child. You know, I, I've loved you with an everlasting love. He says, and that's another song that I wrote. You know, God telling me that He loves me with an everlasting love, and that I belong to Him. You know, you, it, it just seems like the word tells you so much. You know, it tells you what to do, but the basis of what to do is this is who you are. Mm-hmm. You do this because of who you are. Sometimes we're doing stuff because we're trying to become somebody. You know, we're trying to look good or, you know, we're trying to come up to a certain standard so that we'll be accepted. That's not how the Word tells us to live. It tells us to live because God made makes us His children. We belong to Him. You know, his love for us is eternal. So live out of your life out of the fact that you belong to me, you know, and that I'm, I'm not, that you're mine. Howard, you, you, uh, you, you described your story and you, you walked with some really heavy, heavy things, but you, you carry yourself very lightly. You're, you, I'm curious about that. You're, you know, the way you, uh, your optimism for the, for life, your, mm. um, 
clearly you're 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 not faking it. I mm. see reality. I see that you you emanate a joy and and you know kind of a, a, a fun spirit. How does that happen? Man, that's that's a good <laughs> question. Yeah. I, I, I think we need sometimes. Karen in here to ask her well, how <laughs> yeah. does that how maybe yeah. she's giving you all the joy yeah maybe you should ask Karen how I'm like I'm at home oh <laughs> so, okay that's the next interview yeah for sure yeah because it's like um yeah I, I you know like I, I I I struggle with who I am like I just you know I I might present somebody on the outside that's good you know but inside I, I'm struggling you know even with um just confidence and things like that, mm-hmm. and even sometimes too, I I, I think that um, you know one time a person asked me like Howard like if you were to give me the theme of your life in one word you know I remember that what would that word be you know and and you know it came to me like that just like that yeah. you know you know maybe maybe you could think of you know a word for yourself too and that word was fear you know I I I think I live life i'm trying to live it out of courage god calls us to be courageous but i i feel like i i live out of fear a lot of times and sometimes i i think that i'm a little too timid with with how i say things with people you know even in in regards to colonialism you know mm-hmm. or or you know the cultural uh things uh because um sometimes there's a lot of anger that that, that you have because yeah. Of what has happened, and I think, I think when when we're dealing with forgiveness, I think we we need to really walk through certain things. It's a process. Yeah. We have to walk through certain things. You know the the pain that it caused. You know, and sometimes the anger that that mm-hmm. is there too. And we need to walk through those things, and 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 deal with forgiveness, with all those things being a part of it. You know. Um, it says the word says to be angry and don't sin, so it's okay to be angry about things sometimes too. Uh, so sometimes it's really it, tricky the sin sinning part though. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes I think that, um, uh, you know, we withholding uh, our our feelings sometimes mm-hmm. is is wrong. You know, I yeah. think it's good for us to to uh, really enter into how, how things affect us emotionally. I think we're we're emotional beings too. Mm-hmm. And and a huge part of of um, of emotion is just walking through the things that are hard, and, and the joy comes, uh, you know, um, comes through the, the journey. Like, yeah, I think, um, um, you know, that's it's it's a long journey. It's a long journey, and and I'm always inspired when I um, when I hear folks that. Are um, I was going to say older than me, but I, I'm really having to come to grips with the fact that I'm 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 getting up there too, Howard. <laughs> but when I, when I see that people haven't given up on growth, when you know I know you're over sixty. What are you? Sixty one. Sixty one. Okay, yeah. but it's it's very refreshing to see someone who's sixty one. Uh, I've always said, you know, there's the wisdom of the elders, and then there's the well practiced fool. <laughs> Sometimes elders don't get wiser. Uh, I've I know I know people that are have gotten older, but they have not got gotten kinder, yeah. and and uh, just it, that inspiration to see that uh, you know we uh, the danger of giving up on yourself I think is something that that people walk with you know um, when when somebody finally has given up on themselves and given up on the possibility of healing yeah. um, to see uh, that. You can be continue. You can be sixty one, fifty five, and mm. we continue on that journey of healing. Don't grow weary. Yeah. Don't grow weary because God, God is a healer, mm. and uh, but we have to stay, stay engaged in that doing that deep work. And and you really, um, I I think it's so much more powerful that you have done more than speak about it. Mm. You have done it. You have mm. walked it, and you continue to walk it. And so. God bless you, Howard. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. And and, and the promise is there. He's <laughs> gonna I think we're gonna get a song. Okay. Sounds good. I just wanna say, you know, I I, I lost a good friend uh this past week and uh he he knew he was gonna go. You know, he was he was dying of uh, some com- complications uh, with his health. And um and he just gave his last little uh clip. Know, on Facebook uh, for maybe about 10 minutes he just sh- shared 
and he, and he, and he talked about the Lord, you know. And uh, one of the last things that he said uh, to his wife, because it was a long struggle over two years, you know, struggling with his health, and finally he couldn't help him anymore, and he realized it, and he just wanted to pass it home. And he's just sharing with his wife, he says, you know, I have fought a good fight, you know. And so I'm really, you know, like I was really inspired by that, you know, and I want to fight, you know. So I encourage you to fight too, you know, for your life, even fight fight for your children, uh, for your people. You know, there's God God put us here for a reason. And there's there's tremendous power in our lives. Uh, let's let's give them to God, you know, and and just fight the journey for God even to the end. And may may God help us to do that in the power of the Spirit. Thank you. We're going to end on that note. Thank you, Howard, very much. As a boy, I feared when Dad went drinking. When he'd come home, he'd hurt those he loved most. In his rage, He'd shake his fist toward heaven When his fight was gone You would always hear him cry Love is the best It's what my heart longs for Without love I fight, I cry, I bleed Oh, it's something I can't live without I know without a doubt Love is the best Not even two Both his mom and dad were gone All he had left Was his older brother Tom If you'd ask them what it was they wanted I know for sure to them it was no question love is the best it's what our hearts long for without love we fight we cry we bleed oh it's something we can't live without Without a doubt, love is the best. One day I learned my dad got what he longed for. The love Jesus gave made him a brand new man. Now I know my dad is up in heaven. When I close my eyes, I can almost hear him shout Love is the best I know now what I long for With the love I feel right now I shout, I dance, I sing Oh, it's something that sets my feet a-dancing I know without a doubt Love is the best Oh, it's something That sets my feet A-dancing I know without a doubt Love is the best Through my dad I know I love Love is the Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation between Kent and Howard. Uh, just to inform you of a few of the things going on at ICYA in the coming weeks and months, we're still working on exactly how to navigate this COVID time and how to do a gala where you're supposed to have 400 people in a room, but you absolutely can't. We're, tr- we're planning on doing a number of small events and using video to facilitate uh, 
some of that connection. And there'll be more details as we go forward on how that's going to happen. One piece of good news from the past week that I should maybe mention is one of the larger or largest, I'm not sure, uh, but one of the larger Christian podcasts in the United Kingdom out of London, England, a podcast called Unbelievable, hosted by a guy named Justin Brierley. They mentioned us on their podcast last week and gave a shout out and mentioned Melvina Gibosh's episode two podcast. So it was good to see things gaining traction uh, and moving forward a little bit that way. As always, if you rate and if you share this podcast, that helps us to sort of get the word out about what we're doing and the message um, about ICYA and uh, um, hope in the North End that we want to... Uh, have more people tuning into so we appreciate if you uh, leave a review or leave a rating or share it on your Facebook page or whatever we're on all the major podcast platforms and go check out Unbelievable in the UK that's a great podcast I've been listening to it for 10 years or so way back when I was working on a master's degree uh, on C.S. Lewis when I was living in Japan I sent a message to Justin Brierley and he helped me get published in some in some magazines in the UK and so we had sort of a vague and distant relationship a connection sort of thing and then 10 or whatever it's been 10 or 12 years later I sent him an email telling him about our podcast and sure enough he read the whole email on his podcast so we sure to appreciate that go check it out UK podcast called Unbelievable with Justin Brierley. Um, it's been an inspiration for a long time. Enjoy the cooler weather and we'll talk again soon.